0: What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spaziti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. So, if you guys don't know what that is, you know when I mean financial freedom, or when I say that, what I mean is that I'm talking about controlling the source of your income, achieving mobile income, and becoming wealthy. You can and we control the source of our incomes here by controlling and owning products and services that we can control the price and the value of and things of that nature. And that's ultimately how we do it. We achieve the mobile income by doing all of this online so that we can make money wherever we want. And of course, if you're not interested in selling anything, there's lots of other ways to make money like trading where you don't have to sell. I mean, you are buying and selling, but you don't actually have to sell to a customer. You don't have to get traffic in. You know, Traffic is a pain in the rear end. I absolutely hate trying to get traffic to all my stuff. Uh, it's not fun. If you've ever tried to do any kind of social media work, if you ever tried to do any kind of online business presence type of thing, you know, it, it, you know, create a website, whatever, then you know the struggle that I'm talking about. You know, getting traffic is a big struggle and it, it's not easy. But that being said, guys, that's what we talk about here. And, you know, we don't just talk about trading and stuff of that nature. We talk about economics. We talk about the current economic and market environment, which we're going to go get into a little bit in today's episode before we go into the main topic. And then, um, but we also talk about investing. We also talk about entrepreneurship and just a whole host of other things. So anyways, guys, let's go ahead and kind of jump into, you know, what's going on in the markets today. You know, some some indexes are reaching all new highs. The the Nasdaq has already peaked and has fully recovered from its lows this year in 2020, and it's already topping out. It's it's above the where the highest point that it was currently at. It is retested, and so far it appears that it has broken the resistance levels. Now, the S&P and the Dow Jones have not done this yet, but the S&P and the Dow Jones are on their way to, they're looking like this is exactly what they're going to do. Uh, The S&P has recovered a bit more than the Dow Jones has, but they're they're over 50% recovered. And yeah, it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, there's not a lot of fundamental economic data to suggest that it is going, that it's necessary for the economy, for the, well, not the economy, but the stock market to be recovering. I mean, unemployment, uh, the Federal Reserve number, the U6 number is, I think, at 22% somewhere around there. That's not a positive number by any stretch of the imagination. 22% of the population is unemployed, according to the the Fed's U6 number. On top of that, you know, we also have the jobs report that came out for May that uh, reported that they had added 2.5 million jobs to the economy or at least unemployment went down by that much which i think brought unemployment to about 16.1 percent somewhere around those lines and i don't know for me i was very confused by this number because i mean we just leapt from like 20 million to 40 million literally i believe within the exact same month so how is it that we added 2.5 2.5 million jobs to the economy that doesn't make any sense. Well there's actually you know a couple of things here. There's an article out by Harrison Schwartz at Seeking Alpha. I heard about this on a podcast and decided to to kind of talk about this particular situation. Unfortunately, when you go to the article now, you have to be, you know, subscribed to some kind of you know, subscription service in order to gain access to it. But I was able to actually get some of the information off of it. And I'll go ahead and, I guess, link the description from some of this, you know, below. It does list a summary. And what it says that, you know, basically that not mentioned by most media, there was a substantial rise in likely incorrectly filed surveys and a decline in survey response rates. So what actually ends up happening um, is that, there's two questions that they ask you on the jobs surveys. The first one says that, are you unemployed but are on temporary layoff? This is the first box. So they give you two different boxes that they that you can check, and that's the first one. The second one is, are you unemployed but absent for from work for other reasons? And to be completely fair with you, depending on which box you end up checking kind of determines... Whether they consider you and report you as being unemployed or not. And this is very interesting because what's actually happening is that, you know, a lot of people, uh, according to the article and according to the podcast that I was listening to, a, a lot of people apparently are checking the second box you know and a lot of it's due to the the weirdness of this virus and how people have been laid off and were effectively furloughed and they're actually saying that the rate at which people are checking that second box is up 10 times the normal rate and the interesting thing here is that if you were to consider those people to be unemployed then the number is not sitting at 16.1% They're saying that the true unemployment rate would be more closer to 17%. But there's another uh, summary piece here on Harrison Schwartz's Seeking Alpha article that says, including the the drop in the labor participation rate since February and those employed but not producing due to the temporary PPP loans, the adjusted figure is likely over 30%. And now if the official unemployment r- number is, I believe, according to the uh, the Federal Reserve, the, the U6 number is like around 22%. So he's saying that the, the, the actual number is up probably more around the 30% rate. And the reason why he says that, like I said, it, it, when he's talking about the PPP loans, for those of you who guys don't know, these are loans that are given to companies in order to keep their employees on uh, and to pay them basically for as if they were on full time, to pay them full pay, as if they were working full time even though in most cases they're not. Now you may not know this, I mean I I, I know people in my life, I'm sure you've heard people in your life that actually were laid off, went on unemployment, and are now back to uh, back being employed by the company. So the government is effectively using the stimulus as a way of forcing businesses to more or less behave like unemployment. Look, if if the stimulus goes away, these businesses are not going to keep those employees employed anymore. They just won't have the money. They'll have to do exactly what they did at the start of everything, which is lay off those people. This is very, very, very concerning from an economic point of view. It means that the unemployment rate is significantly higher, and if they don't continue the stimulus, yes, it's going to probably – the unemployment number is going to get much, much worse. There's going to be a lot more people that are going to be out and have no job. You know, on top of that, you know, these businesses that get the PPP loans, they don't, there's no interest rate attached to them. And like I said before, they are able to, you have the potential to have those loans forgiven. So in effect, they're kind of acting more like a grant than an actual loan. But, you know, all that said, the unemployment rate, if you consider that the vast majority of those people, like I said before, that are employed via this PPP loan program, would not be employed without it, the vast majority of them wouldn't have a job without it, then the unemployment rate is significantly higher than what was estimated. I mean, I guess the the main thing that I really wanted to say, why I wanted to say this was because I wanted to highlight the fact that the economy is not doing well. And that, and also just to highlight that the markets, the, the, the financial markets like the the Nasdaq, S and P five hundred, the Dow Jones, these are, are are not indications of a of the econ- of the economic health of the economy. And I've said that many times. But you know, there, there's also you know a lot of talk going around about businesses defaulting on a lot of the loans that they owe to the banks and, to the, and the rents that they're paying to the landlords, which is also quite concerning. You see, a lot of businesses are, I think, going on the second or third month of, of delinquency in terms of not paying their rents and not paying on the debts that they have. And this is, could also be a really bad thing for the banks, not only for the banks, but also for the, the landlords as well who are trying to collect rent. Now, I've heard it said from a podcast that I listen to that, you know, uh, one of my mentors, he thinks that the, the main reason for this is because it's not that the businesses don't have the money to pay the landlords and possibly even their mortgages in the bank. But it's really more to do with the fact that there's a lot of uncertain times and nobody really knows what's happening. So they're kind of, they've got the cash, but they're kind of keeping it close to the chest and they're uh, unwilling to let it go at this point. And it's causing a lot of issues. Landlords are considering uh, lawsuits against their tenants. It's probably going to take, if they do, you know, some landlords are more than likely going to kick their tenants out if they can't come to terms. And if the and if these companies end up uh, being delinquent on that, you know that's going to put more people unemployed. And on top of that, you also have other issues too. You also have the idea that you know if they default on their mortgages for their businesses, if they they took a mortgage or they took a really big business loan out to build, you know their companies and things of that nature, maybe to pay for the trucks, whatever. If they default on that, that's going to be very very bad for the banks too. So what does this all mean? You know, are we are we going to experience a V-shaped recovery? Are we going to continue to uh you know maybe head lower? Is this just a bounce and are we going to go ahead and make new lows kind of like in 2008? This actually happened in 2008 where the market came had its initial drop, came back up, retested the highs and then got rejected and, and effectively fell off a cliff. And it was very very destructive that it it happened, but there were a lot of really bad things going on in the economy at that time, just like there are today. Now, there are a lot of different things that were going on in the economy. When it was in 2008, there was no virus. It was primarily a financial catastrophe. You know, there were lots of banks, due to all government regulation, by the way, government regulation always gives incentives, and if you say to the banks that we're going to bail you out so don't worry but we want you to lend out loans to any any tom dick and harry who wants them regardless of their credit rating and stuff of that nature and, you know when the government starts doing that that they call these um uh, no income loans, like ninja loans, no income, no, I don't actually don't know what the J and the A stand for, but you know, basically they were lending money out to a lot of people. They've stated income loans. Basically I could state that I made any kind of money I wanted. And ultimately there was nobody who could say otherwise. And you know, basically the bank wasn't even going to check it. This actually happened. It's insane, but it actually happened. And eventually it led to uh, a lot of collateralized debt obligations being created, which is ba- are basically financial it, – it's hard to expl- explain, but they're basically financial products derivatives that people can buy where the value of the CDO, the collateralized debt obligation, it was derived from the mortgages that it represented. Collateralized debt obligation basically means you got a whole bunch of debt that's in combination with each other, that's all added together, and you can invest in those mortgages. At the time, the real estate market was seen as the U.S. economy, and it was seen as so strong it was never going to fall. But just like every empire, everything falls at some point, and it eventually did because it turns out that a lot of the, the tranches, tranches are descriptions of The different uh, tiers of debt. So you had like the tranches of your triple A's, your triple B's, your singular A's and B's, and then, you know, C's and D's and things of that nature. And this is, these are our debt mortgages that have a high rate of paying or or you know th- this is a classification of the likelihood of how risky the debt is and as far as i'm aware as far as my knowledge of it goes i believe that is what a tranche is when it comes to this kind of stuff it's not really difficult to understand they just use fancy terminology to more or less confuse everybody and to keep them out of what they're doing you know they don't want people you know, understanding it, because if people understand it, then what do you need them for? If you understand how it works, you understand how to do it on your own, then you don't need the financial advisors. You don't need the person, whoever is selling these types of things to you. You just don't need them. So all in all, that's why they try to keep everything very complicated. They try to keep the terminology complicated. But once you understand what the terminology is actually talking about, it's really not that bad, uh, at least in my opinion. Now, I've said that and a lot of people still disagree with me. They're, they just say that I'm really smart and I can understand it when they can't. I, I disagree with them. I think that the vast majority of people could understand it. They just don't have the passion and the drive like I do to research the stuff and things. I mean, if you go watch The Big Short, it, they came out with a movie about it and it will describe to you, for the most part, what exactly was going on. And I know people have watched it and they still don't quite understand it 100%, but you know, I mean, still, you can get a pretty decent idea of what was going on. But it was all caused by government regulation. And it was it was a financial crash. That's the difference. In this case, yes, there are financial things that are going on. Like savings was at an all-time low before COVID-19. Savings has risen since COVID-19. People aren't getting out as much. People aren't driving as much. You're saving uh, when it comes to... You know, the gas for your car, you're saving when it comes to, you know, going out and eating out at restaurants all the time. There's so much saving that's going on now that, you know, well, I shouldn't say there's so much, but there's a decent amount of saving that's actually happening that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. But things are still not great. You've got the services industries like hotels and cruise ships. They're not doing well airliners, again, aren't doing well. You know, people are just not interested in doing that kind of stuff if they can avoid it. I mean, definitely cruise ships. I think, you know, people are still taking airplanes and stuff like that, but it's still not in the same capacity that they were before. And the airliners were already struggling before COVID-19 hit. Many airliners were. And now you're looking at, just a whole host of things. Now, granted, some states are opening back up. Restaurants are opening back up. But even then, there still isn't a massive amount of people that are, you know, going out there and going to restaurants and going shopping at the retail stores and the malls. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, there might be some people, assuming that those are actually open, but there's not going to be a ton of people. You know, I mean, the number isn't what it used to be. And it's probably going to take a very, very long time to recover because, let's be honest, the media did a number. The media and the government did a number on this. The media and the government freaked the crap out of everybody, and everybody fell for it hook, line, and sinker. So, anyways, that being said, what what are we going to expect? You know, I, don't, I can't tell you with any certainty, and I know that everybody wants certainty. They want me to tell them what's going on, what to expect and how you can, you know, protect yourself and things. And they want me to tell you that with a certain amount of certainty and guarantees, right? Everybody, very few people actually like risk. The vast majority of people are very risk averse. So they want guarantees. I just can't give that to you. Nobody can. If anyone tries to, run as fast as you can because they are lying through their teeth. Nobody can give you guarantees or certainties when it comes to the markets, when it comes to economics. I mean, we can see, and economics is not a very good timer on things, okay? Economics is not good at timing when something is going to happen. It's very good at looking down the road, looking into, towards into the future, and it can see the writings on the wall it can predict that something bad is going to happen if you continue this this route. Because the laws of economics are absolute. They can be bent for a time but eventually they will have their way. The trouble is is that they cannot pinpoint to you economics, that is, and economists, when exactly something is going to happen. Sometimes there are people that have a very good feel for the market that just happen to be economists as well, and they can pinpoint stuff, but very rarely do you ever see that happening. The fact of the matter is that the bulk, just economics is not a good indicator and for timing. Okay, Even when you are a trader, you don't get to trade, you're not going to be... Predicting the markets 100% accurately every single time, you're gonna be wrong. It's not a matter of if you're wrong, it's a matter of when you are wrong. You're gonna be wrong, and you're gonna be wrong often. Okay? That's just the nature of it. Well, when it comes to, so if you can't even look at historical data and use statistical analysis to try to figure out what the markets are doing, what makes you think that economists can looking at data and things of that nature? In the end, economists they can see the writing on the wall. They can see the problems that are out there, and that how they're they're, they're those issues they think are going to come into the into the present at some point, but they don't know when. So it's it's speculation at that point, right? So. Here's what I think is is going to happen, and then we'll go ahead and get into the, the 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 last half of the episode. I want to try to keep this episode to about thirty minutes. so let's go or or somewhere around there. so I think that we're not out of this yet. I think that there's still a ton of people that are unemployed so i th- I think the number's like forty million or something like that. It's absolutely insane, and yet for some reason, we're not feeling any kind of Effect of that number on the stock market, that's absurd. I mean, as I've said before, the stock market is not an indicator of the economy and they are very much not tied whatsoever. Okay. The people who are investing in the economy, A, it has a lot of government manipulation, not just uh, domestic governments like our own country, but also foreign governments are also investing in the stock markets as well. So, and the bond markets in some countries, they're, they're, they're plowing money into them. Look, I mean, there's a lot of manipulation that doesn't just exist on Wall Street, okay? Do not be fooled into thinking that the government is some benevolent being. The government—we we don't have a republic, a democratic republic here in America. That's what everybody thinks we have, and that's the illusion that's given off. Really, we have an oligarchy, okay? We have the government— that rules the nation with corporations and businesses of different industries and sectors. That's what we have. We have top leading executives that control massive corporations. Hell, anywhere from healthcare to, you know, your retail stores to restaurants, you know, everybody's got a lobbyist and these big corporations all get in bed with each other and, and with the government as well. And they all essentially rule the economy the military industrial complex is in there, the manufacturing industry is in there, pharmaceutical company is in there or pharmaceutical industry and they all control the economy. If you th- how they affect policies is they take their money and they use the lobbyists to pay and grease the palms of the right politicians in order to affect policy change and regulations in their favor which almost always negatively affects every everyday people and significantly severely affects the poor mind you but that being said the stock market which is where a lot of these big massive corporations are wall street's one of them you know the financial sector of the economy the financial industry banking investments what have you they're not the economy it's heavily manipulated it doesn't mean you can't make money in it. doesn't mean you can't invest in it. It doesn't mean you can't be successful in it, but it's heavily manipulated, okay? And don't look at that as an indicator of the economy. You got to look at the unemployment number to figure that out. Now, that being said, it's very difficult for me to tell you what I think is actually going to happen because in many ways, I'm not, like I said, I don't even know. 100%. I think we're we're not out of this yet. I think we there's a chance that we're going to see another decline at some point. I don't the decline that we had was only a 30% decline, whereas the decline before that was somewhere in the 40% range. It was like 46, 45 depending on which index you're looking at. You can do the measurements, it's really not that difficult. I've done it many times, but it's like 45, 46% of a decline in 2008. We only had 30 percent. The crashes get worse and worse, not better and better. OK? If all we get is a 30 percent decline, that should cause you to worry heavily, at least when it comes to the stock market. It should cause you to worry heavily. Now, you could go to Fred, which is the Federal Reserve. You, could, um, you know, it's a website that the Federal Reserve has, you know, basically looking at economic data, look at the unemployment rate in 2008, compare it. To 2020. That's another great indicator that shows you the severity of these crashes. Unemployment this this time around, even though it hasn't been reflected so much in the stock market, unemployment is way worse this time around than it was in 2008. In fact, we haven't seen unemployment quite like this since the Great Depression, which had a 20% of unemployment. And that number you can't just say because we have 20% that ours is just as bad as theirs. No, because there was less people working. The population of the United States was less at that time in the 1930s, and the, un- and the employment rate was different. There wasn't as many people that was working. So the severity of the 20% is actually worse in the 30s than it is today so far. So just because it's the same percentage number, do not fall into the illusion that it's the, same, that it's the same severity. Really, what you should look at is per capita. That's a great way of looking at it. I haven't really done the numbers. I think in order for I, – I was listening to a, a, a podcast the other day, and they were saying that – now, I don't know how accurate it was, and I would want to do the numbers on my own. But they were saying that we would need somewhere around 50 million unemployed before we reach that point. Some people are saying we're already at 40 million. Guys, <laughs> it's not good. So that being said, guys, I think we're just seeing a bounce. That's what I think it is. I could be wrong. We could be you're recovering now and it could be going higher, but I think it's just a, a temporary bounce. That's what my gut feeling tells me. Only time will tell whether I'm right or not. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're recovering. I hope that at least when it comes to the stock market, I hope that things are getting better, and and in the economy as well. You know, I hope that that's the case. You know, in terms of the unemployment numbers, in terms, uh, you know, the non-farm payrolls, we added a couple million jobs to the economy. You know, let's wait and see what the April numbers are to see whether that is just a bounce or to see whether or not that is a legitimate recovery that we're experiencing. But we won't know until we start to see more data. And uh, and in the end, I, I don't know. I, I, my my suspicions are that this is just a bounce, and that eventually it will decline. I don't know if it's going to decline, you know, further than the already the already thirty percent decline that we have. If we get into a trade war with China, I guarantee you it will. I guarantee you, if we get into a big trade war with China, um, like Trump. Keeps threatening, it will more than likely happen. Okay. The, uh, the economy is is extremely weak, has been weak long before COVID 19 hit, long before the shutdowns. Okay. The, it's just, it's not positive news. But on top of COVID 19, the fact that the economy was already weak, if we get involved in a, in a trade war, That'll just make matters worse. So my estimation is it's just a bounce. But again, like I said, I don't know 100%. We're just going to have to wait and see. And and I know that that's not giving you certainty. I know that's not uh, what you want to hear, but that's the truth. And my goal is to be as truthful and transparent to you as I possibly can be, even if it's unpopular. So that's my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. And uh, well, time will tell. If you disagree, time will tell. If you agree, time will tell. So that being said, guys, let's get into the last portion of the podcast episode today. But hey, before we do that, you know, I wanted to just give a couple shout outs to some of the affiliate programs that I got going on, you know, uh, they're the way, this is how I support the show, this is how I effectively make money, and if you guys like the content, not only do I always ask you to share it and, uh, you know, like and subscribe and all that kind of stuff that I ask you pretty much at the end of every single video, but... I also really want you guys to go and look at the affiliate programs, and if you think you'll get value out of them, if you if you're interested in them, they think they're going to provide you value to your life, then consider you know subscribing. You know they support the show, they support what I'm doing here, and it's always a really big compliment if you decide to use them, guys. I want it to be made very clear that every single affiliate. Program that I have, um, you know, they're all stuff that I use. You know, TradingView. If you guys are interested in trading, in trading the charts, you know, trade. You really can find no better trading platform than TradingView. They're absolutely amazing. It's basically like a social media site for trading. Um, not only does it provide an awesome sense of community for trading, but it's also just absolutely easy to use, and the tools are easy. There really is no downside to use TradingView. I think it's like twenty dollars a month. It's It's not really all that expensive. So guys, if you're interested in finding a a charting platform, go check out TradingView. The next one would be Tier 1 Trading. I don't know about you guys, you know, when I was starting off learning how to trade and everything, I have to admit, you know, it was a rough journey and still to this day can be kind of a rough journey. Trading just in general is, but can you imagine how rough it would be without mentors, without people who teach you how to trade? They don't just simply teach you a trading strategy, which is what most people out there will do. They will teach you a trading strategy. They will teach you how to trade that strategy and then that's it. No, no, no. Tier one trading teaches you the same skill in the art of trading. It's absolutely amazing. They won't turn you down the wrong path. You know, I have learned how to trade from these guys, you know, Charles Miles, uh, Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone. They're absolutely amazing. So I would highly encourage you guys that if you're interested in learning how to trade, if you're interested in learning that skill, then go look at their stuff. Go look at their, their content. Go look at their website and consider getting involved. You won't go wrong with it. And last but certainly not least is skillshare. Guys, I know that, you know, in this episode we're talking about, and in almost every episode I talk about, is that you have a responsibility to become wealthy. It's not merely something that you should do. You have a responsibility to do it because by becoming wealthy, you know, life in general just can get better. Now, no, money doesn't provide you happiness or anything of that nature, but money can provide you time and time can help you become happy, right? You could do things that you enjoy, not things that you feel like you have to always do. But more importantly than all that, your life is ultimately in your hands. You know, you need. To, we need to take self-responsibility. And we need to look at ourselves and we need to, to point the finger at ourselves. And if our life is not where we want it to be, then we need to acknowledge that it is our fault and that ultimately your life is a direct result of your choices and your decisions throughout life. You know, the funny thing is, is that I've always heard this term that... You are a self-made man. And it's only applied, you know, when people are wealthy, successful, you know, they make a lot of money, right? But the funny thing is, is that everyone is self-made. You are a self-made man today. You are a self-made woman today. Every single person is self-made. We just don't seem to ever want to acknowledge it when we're poor. Or when we don't have a lot of money. We only want to acknowledge it and, and draw attention to it when we're rich and wealthy. But look, everyone is self-made. And, th- and there is really no clear evidence of that than at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare has hundreds of courses. It, you know, It's the best place to go to sharpen your skills, to learn new skills, and ultimately to just continue to... Mold yourself to where you are constantly providing value to people that you are working for or to your business, whatever. You know, it's one of the best places to go. And guys, the best part about the whole thing, it's dirt cheap. They got courses from, you know, how to to fly drones. They probably probably have sewing courses, you know, how to uh, do filmography how to take pictures really really great pictures with really awesome cameras you know stuff like that you know i mean there's probably trading and investing stuff on there i know for a fact that there's web design stuff i've used that you know there's also email marketing and youtube ad courses there's all kinds of courses on skillshare and it's dirt cheap it's only $100 for an entire year. I can tell you this because I am subscribed and I use it all the time. It's a great, great resource for learning. And there's really no reason to not be part of it. Guys, we talk about all the time about how you need to sharpen your skills. This, Skillshare is one of the greatest places to do this. So also, check out Skillshare, subscribe, and start sharpening your skills. Start learning new skills and making yourself more valuable. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get back into the episode. You know, I wanted to talk about a, a concept that I heard in a podcast episode that I was listening to the other day that I, I actually really thought was quite inspiring. And uh, just it was a really good entrepreneurial message that was talking mostly about politics. So what the concept was, was that if you want to fix the system, that you are in. If you're part of a system and you want to fix it, right? The government, you know, you're you're part of this, you know, the system that you disagree with. Assuming so, in the topic that I was listening to or in the podcast I was listening to, they were talking about how if you uh, how the left and the right are really not so different. And they were talking about how, how the left is essentially you know, they complain about big, massive corporations ruining America, you know, consumerism, cor- corporatism, or what, yeah, whatever it's called. And they talk about, you know, institutional racism and systematic racism. And they're always blaming it on these big factors and many more. There are many more factors out there that they complain about, but these are some of the biggest factors that they complain about. And how it's these factors as to why the country is, is hurting, why the country is in a bad way and why they ultimately can't get ahead. They you know, in the podcast they were saying that the, the Republicans are really no different and that in the Republicans are once again they complain about oppressive governments, authoritarian governments, you know, the government taking more and more power and more and more freedom away from the people and increasing taxation or doing stuff of that nature. And they, and they use this, and libertarians do this too, you know, the, both of them, they use these kind of, of arguments to say why I can't get ahead in life, why they can't get ahead in life, you know, why the world is broken, the country's broken, and it, it can't be fixed until we do X, Y, and Z. And in reality, guys, the truth was, was that it, at least... In the podcast, they said that if you really want to fix the problem, you have to go out there and you have to break away from the very system that enslaves us to the system. So you're probably wondering what exactly that means. What what does it even look like? What do you mean by breaking away from the system? So what was meant by that is... The system is you go to college, you get good grades, you get a degree, you get a job, and you work for somebody else for the rest of your miserable life. You pay into 401ks, into financial institutions, banks, investment firms, that you complain, at least on the left, that you complain that Wall Street is a big problem, is a big bunch of of rich, wealthy, fat cats, and yet you're giving them money. To manage your investments, okay, sure, that doesn't make any sense. Sounds like you hold a double standard in that sense, or at least you haven't even thought about it before, if that's how you really think. You know, right people complain about the same thing, that the stock market is, or people on the right complain about the same thing, that the stock market is just a a rigged game. But in the end, those who invest like that are not going to have enough money to to retire. They're going to need Social Security they're not going to have enough because they didn't make enough in their life working for somebody else is not going to make you enough inflation is expanding far faster than your wage growth than your wages are i'm telling you i'll tell you that right now what a business can pay you it, by the time the money gets back to you it is not anywhere near as valuable as it was before your money is constantly losing value you're, you're never going to break out of the system that way. Just tell you that right now. I'm not saying it's wrong to invest or to play around in the markets. You can make money doing that, but again, you're not going to become wealthy unless you've got money to play around with in the first place. Okay. But the idea was that you got to learn to break out of the system, to secede from it. And then once you do that, You teach others how to do it too. And you get them to break out of the system. And then you go back and you get more people. And you get them to break out of the system. First, you have to stop believing in the system. If that's your problem, you've got to stop believing in the system. And believing in its power and authority and the hope that you have that it will fix everything. Because it won't. The system is what keeps people enslaved. It's not going to fix anything. You're not going to fix anything. No one is going to fix anything. The system is the problem. If you think that you are part of a government, part of a country, and you disagree with a lot of the things that are going on, maybe you disagree with the wars. Maybe you believe that systematic racism exists and that it's a problem. Maybe you believe that the government is an authoritarian government willing to just, you know, enslave its people. Whatever it is that you believe is largely irrelevant. It is. It doesn't really matter. Stop blaming external factors for why you can't get ahead in your life. Put the onus on you. Point the finger at you. Winners win. That, I, this is a story that I was told by a mentor uh, not that long ago. and Well, actually, no. It was, it was uh, no, a number of years ago. And it's called the Winners Win Story. And, you know, I think it's a great story, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it. Basically, he was in the military, my mentor was. He was in the Marines. And they were in the mess hall, and they were having breakfast and everything. And there was like Fox News or something else that was on TV. And they were watching it, and they were saying, and there was something that, that they were saying that the Democrats are doing X, Y, and Z. It's pretty much all Fox News ever says. And, uh, oh, yeah, and they're going to ruin the country, right? With whatever they were trying to do and my mentor at the time, being a young man, not having the knowledge that he has today, um, you know, got really roiled up, and he was talking with his buddies and stuff, and they were like, man, this is just pissing me off, they're destroying the country, whatever, you know, being kind of loud, boisterous, and you know, he notices this guy that's sitting over off in the corner in the mess hall, he's just like eating his cereal, he's not really saying anything, he's kind of just a quiet guy. Now, he knew him because I think he worked in his unit, or in a unit that, his unit worked with and so he, he 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 knew the guy to some extent and he goes out to him he's like dude aren't you mad about this don't you care you know he's like he's saying things like they're killing our country they're i mean this is absurd this is unconstitutional right obviously he's very right wing at this point right sounds like the right wing rhetoric and he and the guy says looks up at him continues eating his, his cereal, and then, you know, says, Do you really want to know? And he starts to uh, stop, he stops eating, he puts the spoon down, he looks into his eyes, and, you know, he's, he's staring into his eyes, and, and my mentor at the time thinks, oh, this guy's going to fight me. Like, th- this is going to get into a fight, all right, let's go. You know, and he's prepping himself for an attack or some kind of a, you know, some kind of a, a fight Some kind of a fracas. And, you know, he's like, say, do you really want to know? And he's like, yeah, I want to know. And he's like, you know, I don't care about what's going on. And he's like, you don't care? How can you not care? He's like, I don't care because I'm a winner. And winners win. (laughs) Oh, man. It sounds like the most arrogant thing. And it sounds so, so arrogant. It's almost comical, doesn't it? I mean, I thought that when I first heard it. it was like, Winters, what what the heck are you talking about, man? Uh, (laughs) It was so funny when I heard it for the first time. But, you know, after analyzing it more, it actually does kind of make sense, doesn't it? Uh, My mentor thought the exact same thing. You know, he thought he blew it off. He's like, whatever, man. And, you know, he kind of walked away, you know. Yeah, he was young. Stupid. You know, just like most of us are or were. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that over the years, he finally understood what the guy was saying. You see, the guy didn't just say that winners win and he's a winner type of thing and end it there. He actually went on to say, I don't care what they're going to do. They could do anything they want. I don't care because I'm going to find a way around it. I'm going to find a way to win and become successful in this life regardless of what they do. That's kind more or less, that's the gist of what he said. It really, really, really empowering stuff, right? I mean, when you really hear it in that way, it doesn't sound as much... It still sounds arrogant to some extent. Maybe it is, but it's powerful nonetheless. I'm a winner, and I'm going to win, and no matter what they do, I'm going to find a way to be successful because winners win. It puts the onus on you first and foremost, which is one of the most important things, I think we all need to take self-responsibility. I think this is something that America and most Western society lacks. They always want to blame it on something else. You know, the left wants to blame it on, uh, you know, rich and wealthy fat cats and, uh, you know, basically, you know, institutional systematic racism and a whole host of other things. You know, the right, you know, they want to blame it on governments politicians, bureaucrats, things of that nature. You know, libertarians are pretty much the exact same way. And it's just one of those things, guys. If you you don't like the system that you live in, if you don't like the country and the system that you're part of, then get out of it. So a lot of you are probably asking at this point, now that I've uh, drilled that into your your brain housing group, you know, how do we do that? How do I break away from that system? How do I get away from the institutional racism or systematic racism? How do I get away from the big corporations that, the wealthy fat cats that are controlling the country? How do I get away from, you know, the, the, the government? The governments and, and the evil and authoritarian corrupt governments that want to steal all my money. How do I get away from this? I'm happy you asked. I have a solution. It's not complicated to understand, it's just hard to do. It's not easy. It's never been easier, but it's not easy. You become financially free. I say it all the time. I think I say it in just about every single episode. If you haven't gotten it at this point, then I don't even know why you're listening to me. Why are you even wasting your time listening to what I'm telling you? If you're not, if you don't even like what I'm saying, why would you be here? Time is a non-renewable resource that we have. I'm happy that you're here. If you're getting a lot of value out of this, that's great. I love it. Continue to come back. But if you're not, then why are you here? Clearly my message was not made for you. Go find someone who has a message that is, that speaks to you better. Don't waste your life here. Don't waste your life listening to people that make you angry. That's not a life to live. But guys, if you want to break out of the system, you need to become financially free. You need to become wealthy, first and foremost. You need to become, that's what you really need. You need to become wealthy. You see, the system is set up for those who are wealthy. It's not set up for those who are poor. And you could be as angry as you want about it, but that's how the system has always worked. That's how all systems, have, all systems of government, all systems of, of any nation in any time in human history have always worked that way. The wealthy live abundant, amazing lives, and the poor live in squalor. Now, in America and in Western society of the 21st century, the poor don't really live in squalor, do they? Even the... the, the it may seem like squalor when you compare it to the wealthy in that country, but when you compare it to the real poverty that's out there in the world, even the poorest in Western culture today, in Western societies, in America, in Europe, even the poorest live better, live way better, and are very wealthy. In fact, they're in like the top 10% of the most wealthiest people in the world. They live... Wealthier lives than that of the poor in other countries that are not doing so well Now I know that a lot of people are like well, I don't live in those countries, so I don't care That's an arrogant thing to say that's incredibly arrogant And you're never going to amount to anything if that's what you're going to say If that's what you think that you don't care because you don't live in those countries, you know what? Gaining perspective is one of the best ways to change the ways that we think gaining perspective is in the world and in our situations, that's one of the best ways of changing how we view the world and gaining motivation to change ourselves and our lives. If you can't even do that, then go back to the system. You're never going to fix it with that kind of mentality. You want to really fix the system. If that's what you want to do, you got one option. There's one way to do it. You break out of it. You become the wealthy. You become so wealthy that you can give the money and you can pay it to politicians. You can have lobbying groups operate on your behalf so that you can change the outcome, so that you can tip the balance in your favor. If you hate institutional racism and that's what you think is actually going on in the world and you think it's systematic and you think it's horrible and you think that minorities... Are being oppressed, then become wealthy. So wealthy that you can break away from the system and you can start pe- using the system in your favor. You can start paying politicians. You can start influencing them and paying them and you can even influence the masses with your own businesses with your own social media accounts you can influence other people and you can pay off the people or pay the people that you need to in order to get regulations passed that benefit that take away from racism if that's what you believe i think we all would agree that we don't want racism in our country. I don't think there's anybody else out out there who, who says, yeah, I like racism. I think it's great. No, nobody would say, no sane person would say that. If you think that the government is corrupt and evil and oppressive and you want to fix it, then become wealthy, secede, break out of the system, become wealthy so that you can pay the politicians to reduce the regulations, so that you can influence the government and you can influence other people. To, to put pressure on the government, to effectively fix it. If you think walking in the streets and protesting is going to do any anything, while I don't disagree with them, and I think that you should be free to do it because it's part of our constitutional rights, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think you're going to accomplish anything. And what little you think you're accomplishing, you're really not accomplishing anything. You're going to see very little change. Now, maybe in some circumstances it may actually end up having some benefits and may- maybe the protests might end up working. Maybe, but I'm very skeptical of, a lo- of anything that comes down the road. I'm skeptical of it all. I, thi- I don't think you change the world that way. That's not how you change the world. That's not effective. You know why? Because you're allowed to do it. If it was really, truly effective, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. If the people that have the power really believed that this was a, something that, uh, that would attack them and this was something that basically would threaten their authority, threaten their position, do you really think they'd let you do it? No. The fact that it's allowable shows you that it's not a threat to the, those in power. In order to fix the system, you have to break out of it and become wealthy and then use your money to direct the system, to control the system. That's how the game works. Whether you like it or not, maybe you get offended by that idea. Maybe you are disgusted by that that idea. Okay, fine. I really don't care. Go find someone else. No one's pointing the gun at your head and telling you to listen to my podcast. Go somewhere else. I don't even want you here if you're going to be mad about that. Okay? You're not the person that I want. My message is obviously not made for you. Go, find, go somewhere else and find a message that is. But that's how it works. That's how the system works. That's how the world has always worked. Long before America was ever even a, a, a concept, that's how it's worked. You can turn a blind eye to it if you want. But if you do, good luck to you. It's, uh, your life will be interesting. I'll, I'll tell you that much and not in a positive way. That's what I believe. If you disagree with me, oh, well, I'm not going to apologize for my, for my beliefs. This is my podcast. This is not a democracy in my podcast. I don't, I don't even li- I don't like democracy. I hate it. This is not a democracy here. You don't like it? Leave. But that's how you affect real change. You affect real change by changing yourself, by becoming wealthy, by becoming financially free, control by controlling the source of your income, which will lead you to become wealthy. And once you become wealthy, you can play the game. You can influence real change, or you can just leave. Leave for a system that's better. Find a new system, a system that isn't you know, systematically racist, a system that doesn't get, isn't controlled by some corrupt government. Find a new one. Either way. That's how you fix the system is you have to become wealthy, financially free. Control the source of your income. That's how You fix the system. That's the solution that nobody is talking about, that nobody wants to even acknowledge. Because, you know why? Because a lot of people don't think it's possible to become that kind of wealthy. A lot of people do not have the mental capacity, the emotional capacity to even think that it is a possibility for them to become wealthy. And I, I think that's incredibly sad. Because there is the pot every each and every one of you that are listening today have the ability to become wealthy, have the ability to become financially free as long as you are willing to do what is necessary. that's what you have to be willing to do. We did another episode on this not that long ago where we talked about how in order to to live a life that others envy in order to live a life that others dream about, you have to live counter to how everyone else is living you have to be willing to make the decisions that other people are unwilling to make you can't be willing to sit there on the couch every single night every single weekend and watch tv watch sports whatever it is you do play video games and expect to go to to go anywhere now i'm not saying you can't do that you know ever but you can't do it all the time you just can't. I know this is a difficult message for, for many people to understand. But this is the message that I want you to understand. That your life is in your hands. Winners win. If you are a winner, you will find a way. I'm a winner. I'm going to find a way. But you've got to be willing to get up. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say, yes, I would love to do this. Yes, I dream of the day. Words with no actions are meaningless, worthless. Back those words up with action. Back those words up with performance, success, action that moves you in the right direction of making money, of becoming wealthy, of controlling your own destiny. That's how you fix the system. That's how you fix any system that is broken. That's how you do it. You've got to play the game the way that it was intended. The way that has been played throughout all of human history. You've got to play like that. Once you become wealthy, you play by a different set of rules. And that is the way it has ever been long before democracy was even started by the freaking Greeks. And I don't even know if they were the first ones to come up with it. They're just one of the earlier uh, examples of democracy, even before then, even when the great kings and queens or you know, lived. And trust me, there were not a lot of good—there were not all great kings and queens. But I have a tendency to think that history is skewed to make monarchy seem bet worse than what it really was. That's just me. That's just me. I know I'm, I'm very much in the minority of that, but that's what I believe. I believe the monarchy was way better than democracy. But that's a, another story for another time. It doesn't matter. At all point in times in human history, the wealthy had it better than everybody else. And there is no way to make everybody wealthy. That is a fool's errand. You want to become wealthy... You've got to be willing to do what is necessary. If you are sick and tired of paying taxes into a system that you disagree with, if you are sick and tired of contributing to a system that institutionalizes racism, if that's what you believe... If you believe that you're sick and tired of of being part of a system that causes wars and and massive destruction and devastation on millions of innocent lives. If you are the type of person that believes that the government is oppressive and it's trying to take your money and try to take your life away from you and the control of your life away from you. If you believe any of those things, the way to fix it is not to play the game like every Joe Schmo. But it's, it's not to play the game like everybody else. Play the game like the wealthy do. Become wealthy and play with a new rule book that benefits you and that ultimately will prosper you. I'm not encouraging you to be unethical and evil. If you believe that that's what wealthy people are, you really shouldn't be listening to this channel. I'm not trying to say that, you know, wealthy people are good. There are good and evil wealthy people just like there are good and evil poor people. You think the rioters uh, th- that are riding and stealing goods, you think they're, you think they're ri- rich and wealthy? Do you think they're good people? No, they're poor, miserable, horrible people. There are good and, pe- and bad people on every spectrum of, in- of the income scale. Okay? So anyways, guys, that's going to wrap up the episode for today. Look, your life is in your hands. You ultimately get to determine where you go in life. You want to go somewhere great, make great decisions. Make great choices. You want a better life, make better choices. And ultimately understand that you control your own destiny. You control the direction. And if you hate the system so much, regardless of the reason, it's okay. There's hope. You can fix it. But you have to become wealthy first. And you become wealthy by becoming financially free and controlling the source of your income. That's how you do it. Hope you. I hope you like that message. I hope that you like that idea, that solution. But it's the only solution that historically has been ever shown to work. Getting involved in politics doesn't work. Giving money to uh, charitable organizations that claim to fight for a cause, that doesn't work. Sure, you benefit those institutions, but what effect are they really having? Let's look at the performance. Not a lot in most cases. You've got to become wealthy so that you can influence, so that you can drive things in the direction you want them to go. So anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed that message. Your life is in your hands. Take it. And... Live a life that others envy. That's all I can say. So guys, hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, make sure to share the content. Make sure to share all of this, everything that I'm doing here. Make sure to like, subscribe to the channel if you're watching on Facebook or... I mean, if you're watching on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to follow if you're hearing this on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure to like and follow. Uh, hit that like button wherever you are. Hit the follow button, subscribe button, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. If you're on iTunes, make sure to leave us a rating and review. I would love to be in the top you know, tier of iTunes uh, podcasts, so let, help us get there. And also, just if you got value out of this Make sure to share the show with a friend. Make sure to help me spread this message of financial freedom and personal empowerment to as many people as we possibly can. Anyone who'll listen. If you'll do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.